Hannah bent over her notebook in the half-dark of the tiny room at the top of the house, squeezing the remainder of her entry onto the very last lines of the page. 3.04 a.m., 12 month 4, 1845, she wrote, unable to resolve nebulosity around Antares, object side at 22 degrees north has not reappeared further observations obscured by clouds. As if to underscore her failure, the candle at her elbow sputtered and died. For a moment, Hannah sat in the dark, fighting the urge to hurl it across the room, and closed her eyes. Mastering her emotions had been as much a part of her education as long division and multiplication. She hadn't thrown anything or stomped her feet, or wept in public in over two decades. But now, at twenty-four years of age, unmarried, she sometimes wondered if she was even capable of feeling deeply about anything besides what she saw or didn't see in the night sky. Only on the small porch affixed to her roof after sunset did Hannah allow herself to be thrilled by a glimpse of something new, flickering among the celestial bodies, or overcome by wonder at their majestic order. Even the crushing sense of defeat she felt on nights like tonight, when the elements or her instruments obscured the beautiful mysteries overhead, moved her more than anything that went on in daylight, or so it often seemed. She had hoped to revisit the nebula she'd seen the night before near the cat's eyes in the tail of the scorpion, a pale, luminous area like a suspended cloud with two distinct bands, one darker than the other, which threaded through the nebulosity from north to south like velvet ribbons. At the southeast edge of one, Hannah had observed a bright mist that seemed less distinct on one side. Sighting it, she'd felt like an explorer on the knife edge of the new world. The veil of possibility and promise suddenly thin enough to puncture with the slightest breath. It was unlikely to be a comet, but unless she saw it again, she would never know. As soon as darkness had fallen, she'd grabbed a new stub of candle and sprung up the steps to the roof walk. But the sky had been thick with clouds, and Hannah blew out a long, disappointed breath and leaned on the railing, watching the clouds scud by overhead. Since her father had taken a bank job that kept him away for long periods, Hannah alone conducted the nightly observations that her family used to calibrate the chronometers carried by whaling vessels to keep time at sea. She also made the necessary corrections to every such clock in the fleet when they were in port. In addition, She ran the house, kept the ledgers in order, and paid the boys who managed the small farm they kept a mile east of town, even as it steadily lost money. Then there was her own job as junior librarian at the Nantucket Athenaeum, from which she emerged at the end of each day, eyes aching, to return to an empty house and spend a few hours observing from their small rooftop porch. Off-islanders morbidly referred to the platform as a widow's walk. 
For the women of Nantucket Island and similar environs, who spent their days working themselves toward an early grave and their nights upon the roof, watching and waiting for husbands to return from distant whaling grounds. In truth, most of the women Hannah knew to have men on the whaling ships had little time or inclination to stand around on the roof waiting for anything. If her twin brother Edward were present, he'd have pointed out the irony of her having become exactly like those whaling widows she both pitied and scorned without having married anyone. But Hannah allowed her situation only an occasional crumb of pity.